0: Welcome to Golden and Gray, Collaboration SF's podcast empowering Asian-American stories from the gold rush to the gold open. I'm your co-host, Elsa.
1: I'm the other co-host, Long Vo, and thanks for tuning in.
0: something very exciting happening um, in June. What is it, Long?
1: It's our showcase. It's been a while since we had a showcase, but now we're coming back. 2019 Collaboration SF Showcase.
0: And what's exciting about this year is actually our 10-year anniversary.
1: So 2009 was the beginning, started by Minji as Mm -hmm. the chapter, right? Now she's off on her own being a wonderful actress, but right now we're going back to basics. That's our theme this year.
0: And it's called Back to Basics because since we didn't have Showcase for a while, we really want to go back to our roots.
1: A lot of our Showcase, we had a lot of people come in and perform and done so many successful things. Awkwafina's part of Showcase. And- AJ Raphael. Oh yeah. So a lot of people have come through and spawned off into their own careers and stuff like that too. Uh, we took a little break, I think. Yeah. Um, but now, we're going back to Basics and trying to find our talent and collaboration was mostly about entertainment through music, Yeah, and we're just gonna highlight those things, right? Yeah,
0: definitely, and what's wonderful is that a lot of our alumni come back and perform at these showcases, um, you know, because they get really big, not necessarily from our showcase, but it definitely, you know, catapults their career, um, is a catalyst for that, and so they come back, kind of pay their, it's not paying their dues, but they come back to um, help out and You know, lend their star powered name um, to the show.
1: It's like respecting your elders, you have to go back, you have to revisit where you came from and stuff. And um, what's really important about these showcases is is that, you know, it builds your confidence. So it's like all run by Asian American people, Mm -hmm. you have the staff's Asian American. Um, We're actually looking for these specific people. And sometimes when you're coming up and you're trying to find your voice as a musician, you don't know what your voice is going to be are you going to put your identity in um are you going to leave it out and you know especially for music you sometimes change your name and try to reflect who you are yeah i used to work with a musician and she she had a vietnamese name and she distinctly called herself Vilma. yeah and tried to make it more universal and we talked about identity and stuff and she had a hard time navigating that and i think it's implicit that, or just like implied, like when you're around other Asian American people, that like you can be more comfortable. And I think that's what collaboration is about—just sending a platform for these people to come up. And um, you know, I think some of these people are actually haven't performed or new to perform, or just been a while, and just being comfort of like being with other people and understanding the struggle, right?
0: Yeah. And that's what's great about Showcase is that we give you this platform to perform to a public and to a wide audience. And these are people who come here deliberately to um, show their support and they're here to um, raise you up, lift you up. And that's what I experienced when I went to Showcase many years back um, when I was in college. I want to say it's three years and it's definitely a lot more than that now. Um, but it was in Berkeley and it was huge. And it was super exciting to be surrounded by a community of like-minded people who wanna see Asian, Asian American talent. Um, and so it was just inspiring to be around. And actually it's the reason why I'm at Collab right now. I wanna give back. I wanna help bring this um, back better than ever. I wanna raise awareness about Asian American talent in the Bay Area. They just don't often get the platform for that. Um, and so it's kind of funny how it comes full circle. I never thought when I was attending it for the first time I would be a part of it. You
1: know what's amazing about these showcases is the squad they come in. Like these performers come with their aunties and uncles and like their whole like family, which is kind of cool. Did you see like a bunch of like moms like sitting in front cheering and stuff, right? That's Definitely.
0: Like,
1: I think especially something like this where um, performers, where they have to go to like the independent or they have to like open up for someone. like I think families don't get involved like that because it's past their bedtime. Yeah. I'm reaching the age where it's like getting past my bedtime now, but yeah. um, you know, like this is also where like families can come and stuff like that. It's all ages and really support these um, people. And then like I think that's what makes it a little bit more special because I went as well, I went two years ago. And I think I was sitting in line. I wasn't part of a collaboration yet. And um, I I could see all the moms like taking pictures of like the performers and stuff, all the cousins coming in and like really filling the crowd, right?
0: And it's really sweet when the families see how receptive the audience is of their um, kid Mm -hmm. and seeing how much love that they're being shown. And, you know, they have fangirls and fanboys that come up after their performance and, you know, want to get their picture, want to get their autograph, want to shout them out on social media. So I think it's just, it's sweet for the family who support these um, talented people, performers. Um, And maybe it might even break that stereotype or that barrier that, you know, Asian Americans can, not or don't often go into the creative industry, go into the creative world because, you know, their families push them to do more, you know, safe options like being a lawyer, being a doctor, working in STEM. And so I think, you know, having this experience, having families see that, um, it really changes their mind and pushes them to, encourage them to pursue these talents.
1: Yeah, I think there's, um, I mean, the joke is like, when Asian Americans have to do like the fine art sort of like piano recitals or violence recitals, right? It and, all um,
0: pays off. You
1: know, it just <laughs> pays off, right? It's like you're back, but like, when you go off in the beaten road a little bit, that's not those kind of realms, and like we think about music industry, um singing um your performance and stuff like that too you know usually the parents or family members don't get to see the community that's backed by it right yeah um and that's really important to show family that you know there's a community that's getting involved too that you know your boy or girl or (laughs) them or they whatever Non-binary is like we're all getting involved. Like we want to make sure that like you are supported. And yeah. I think even if you're not a winner or finalist, like we yeah. keep in touch with a lot of the staff, right? or not Definitely. the staff, but the the talent
0: exactly. Yeah, I love how we provide that safe environment for people to show their true selves through self-expression. And we actually have quite a few rappers that always we have at least one rapper that comes out to showcase every year. And that's not as common as, you know, singing or um, dancing. So it's nice that we encourage that within the Asian American community.
1: Yeah. So part of this episode this is a two-part episode where we're um, interviewing all the finalists. So these are two out of five of the finalists that are part of Showcase. So we have April G, AK Container. I was part of this interview and I was assisted no, actually, I was helping with Michelle. Abiera, part of AV Media. I actually- Sorry, Cat Patrol. Cat Patrol, yeah. So I was gonna say, yeah. So Michelle's over here, she's laughing. Like she did a really good interview and like I was put on Cat Patrol because the cat, who doesn't love Michelle? And the cat kept attacking her like with her, the love claws, And so I was on patrol of like trying to make sure the cat was away. So April G, she performed overseas. And in our interview, we talk about, a lot about her giving back to the community using Forming Music. And her form music is actually New Wave, and she goes back to her influences, um, talking about science fiction and fantasy and using that as a way to write her music.
2: Michelle and I am a co-director of the audio-visual media team of Collab SF. So I'm
1: here with Long. Hola, I'm the co-host. You'll hear me a lot.
2: And I'm also here with April G, also known as Container. And she is an artist, vocalist, and electronic music producer. Um, before we begin, is there anything that you would like to tell us about yourself?
3: I'm not really, I guess I, I'm just from the Bay Area here, and I'm trying to make the best music I can, just like everyone else. Um, my ethnic heritage, I am Chinese-Mexican, so I'm kind of unusual in the Bay, but I think it gives me a unique perspective because I, I don't fit in anywhere, so I have to fit in everywhere <laughs> or die. Just kidding.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I do mostly electronic music, but I also incorporate some organic instruments like sometimes strings sometimes even a harpist so i have a really big wonderful team that i work with of amazing musicians and i switch up the ensemble based on the events um yeah i'm working on a new album i'm really excited about sharing new material with the world it's a little bit darker than it was in the past but it's Mm -hmm. kind of dark times right now Mm -hmm. so i felt like it was really cathartic to write songs like that and um
2: trying to innovate as usual. (laughs) (laughs) So your genre of music is, uh, how would you describe that? Um, Well, I like,
3: I mean, I like um, drawing from past influences. I'm really inspired by the 80s. And I mean, Sade is a queen. I'm totally inspired by her. And Depeche Mode, they were amazing, you know, back then. To this day, I can still watch some of their, like, YouTube videos of their Pasadena, like, Rose Bowl like performance and be inspired even though I wasn't like around back then you know like I was like a baby or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I mean I freaking love that era and I like taking taking um inspiration from the 80s and kind of like giving it my own twist so definitely a lot of people that like new wave and like electronic they can get into my music Mm
1: -hmm. yeah how about fashion (laughs) did any of the fashion like influence you from the 80s
3: Um, it's kind of like, it's cool. Like I really love the colors and the boldness and I love that era, like where it wasn't really necessarily about how much money you had, even though there were people that flaunted it back then. (laughs) Some people like Boy George and whatnot would just work with whatever they had to like put on quite a show, right? (laughs) So a lot of it was like eyeliner and makeup and just like being out there, you know, in a really expressive way. So I appreciate that, that part of things. Um, And I like to to try to do that myself. And I love to collaborate with other artists of other mediums. Like I've had friends that have made me outfits and I do all kinds of funny things. Like I just did a photo shoot and um, like last a couple weeks ago or a month ago where I was wearing an origami piece that my friend had made. (laughs) So he's like an origami expert and he made like this crazy neck piece. And I'm like, yes, I'm wearing this. So that's like what's great about the genre, too, is that it's like totally you're totally free to express in, in those ways and, and pretend to be futuristic or sci-fi or fantasy <laughs> and costumes are very much encouraged. So I like that.
2: <laughs> Would you say your music leans towards fantastical kind of, um, feelings? Um, I think
3: sometimes, um, like I, I really, I feel like my music is rooted in my own truth mm-hmm. and it has a lot of poetry that comes from personal experience. But I also kind of write it in a way that encompasses like, you know, like a, a sci fi fantasy kind of feel, but also, you know, imagery that everyone can kind of um, find in, the, in their own lives. So I, I try my best to kind of express a poetry that people can tap into in a landscape of music that's kind of like kind of fantasy and kind of dreamlike Mm -hmm. and kind of just like magical if I could make it that way Mm -hmm. yeah
2: (laughs) how would you say like being Asian American with a multi-ethnic background how does that affect um the way you express yourself
3: I think it's made it um so that I mean a lot of us Asian Americans have grown up feeling like we're the other and being Mexican Chinese even more so so I think I grew up with a lot of like you know, painful experiences like having bullies and things like that, feeling excluded from every tribe. So I think it's made me progress as a human being that like really wants to help people connect, you know, and really sees opportunities for people to cross boundaries and for people to like align themselves across different tribes and different ideas. So, you know, as a human being, I've always tried to like translate in a way that would reach as many people as possible. So I think that's kind of what has made me who I am in a way. Like even as like just a, an entity out there trying to bring people together, like I used to throw like electronic music parties to try to get different groups to meet each other that wouldn't normally, and many people did from that. So it was kind of like my mission to try to keep the doors open for, for people that would normally be excluded mm. to, to find each other. So yeah, I think a lot of my, a lot of my music has to do with kind of like transcending certain levels of being, from from pain or from suffering to an understanding, a depth, an evolution, like a higher state of being where you're just more embracing more love and more like community or more adventurous, like a more adventurous state of living where you like imagine things and make them happen.
1: Yeah. Um, do you ever? read she's from berkeley she's a science fiction writer but she says like fantasy is a way to actually bring more human stories together but it's able to help bridge that gap because people think fantasy is made up but it's making things more truthful you mentioned something about feeling like you didn't fit in
3: oh yeah but totally feel like
1: (laughs) having the fantasy as like a metaphor to help express yourself because sometimes when we're in the thick of darkness, we can't explain those words, but we we'll use analogy like fiction and stuff like that helps bring that truth to you.
3: Well, I think, yeah, almost all, like so many stories in fiction, kind of like they're like heroes' journeys of like finding a place where you don't know where you are to a place where you completely belong and then you own, you know, your greatest powers and all that. I mean, so I, I do like that, like, kind of inspiring. Um, part of fantasy and sci-fi culture and I also always liked in sci-fi that I mean especially the modern sci-fi it has always been kind of at the forefront of including people of different colors mm. you know like whereas maybe fantasy has always been you know like Arthurian or you're like whoa everybody's white what's mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. <laughs> sci-fi is like yeah we have a, a female scientist who's african-american or whatever mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah sci-fi so that's where I belong <laughs>
2: Yeah. I I feel like in the music industry though like um it is it is a real thing where like colored people's voices are being used but they're being like whitewashed by like um the image on them um
3: like or or you don't stand a chance unless you are white mm, or something right mm-hmm. which I kind of feel like like yeah with that I mean it always kind of I think it's it's the it's the Kind of a latent paranoia that all people of color have in America. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe just I don't know where other places you have at, but you almost grow up with that here, where you like, you know you've been treated certain ways, and the media has treated people like you certain ways. So you just you almost kind of see it everywhere. and it may not even be real, but it's like, are they trying to make sure I'm not seen? Do they think I'm ugly? Do they mm-hmm. need only a white person? Mm-hmm. Do they only think white people can succeed? Like even if they believe in my music or they, would they rather like I write the song so that a white girl can sing it? Mm-hmm. There's all these thoughts, especially making music where it's already hard enough. Like it's such a rare and strange thing to, to make it anywhere in music, unfortunately. You know? mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's like a latent paranoia that I think we've all grown up with. Um and it's not completely unfounded, so it's kind of sad. I, I tried to just um, I tried to just block it
2: out. <laughs> <laughs> just block it out block it out. <laughs> <laughs> so we can tell the listeners now uh, what you've been up to and what you're going to be working on. Maybe you can start with uh, what you just did this past weekend.
3: Oh, this past weekend
2: I I played at a lovely
3: event that I helped to organize at my friend's studio. She's an amazing installation artist um, named Lori Shapiro. She has a beautiful studio in L.A., and she creates these wonderful installations out of fabric. So she coats absolutely every surface with just beautiful, like, flowers and design and lively colors and, you know, glowing orbs and alien tubes and just all kinds of cool textures and colors. And I've always been inspired by how she creates her own world, I feel like yes, Lori, that is the way to live. Create your own world. So I had been badgering her for a long time to please collaborate with me. (laughs) She's like, let's do it. Let's do it. So I got together with a mutual friend of ours, Courtney um, from Oakland and also a wonderful uh, act from LA called Jane Machine. Um, And yeah, we put together this lovely event where it was all about Um, getting rid of what no longer serves you. So we kind of gave it a whole theme. It was called Moon in Modulation. And um, we like I played uh, kind of a series of my new songs kind of in process. They're not completely done, but I felt like, oh, this was a good opportunity to share that and to see like how people would respond. Um, Also, they're kind of darker in nature. So I thought it was like a really good catharsis to like be the first performer. And so it was me and then Gene Machine. And then we took a moment to invite everyone to write down things that no longer serve them, like, you know, like ways of being, habits or, you know, views of yourself that you're, you you want to get over. So everybody wrote down things. We put them in a bowl. We burned them outside ritualistically. <laughs> and then afterwards, um, I had a friend from the Bay Area, um, do a sound healing so he he mm. like everybody laid down on the ground and he instructed us to go through this like sound journey that he does so it was really like refreshing everybody like got up from that concert going like oh yeah I <laughs> feel so good and yeah we served tea for everyone so we made it kind of a different kind of thing like super intimate art- artsy event and that was the first time I've ever thrown an event where I felt like not exhausted wow so that was a win for me,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, I saw the pictures on Instagram and they look like, it looked like some psychedelic event. Like, um, and it's nice to know that you had like these introspective healing, like parts of the event. So um, do you think, do you foresee yourself doing more events like that in the future? I definitely love the event because
3: I feel like I made it memorable for even myself, like, at a level where I felt like healed and happy about everything and connected to people that I met there. Um, So I feel like that is key to things I wanna do in the future. Like, I think it matters more um, to do something where you feel like it's made some sort of impact. Like, I don't know if I made an impact on anyone else there but I just felt it myself, you know? Um, I think it's important for me to to keep kind of doing that kind of thing, it's less about like, oh, how cool does this look, or how like impressive does this seem. It's more like, doesn't matter. And in my timeline of my life, will I remember it as something wonderful? You know, so I want to like stack up more things like
1: that. To finalize, <laughs> what are you gonna bring to showcase? What am I gonna bring to the showcase? What are you? Are you gonna pull out the stops? Are you gonna try to beat every contestant, show you're the best. <laughs> How
3: you this? Well, I'm sure it's not about the best, but I'm going to bring my best. Um, so, and my best is probably going to be the, probably more unusual artist in the mix. So we'll see what people take from it, but I'll give it my best.
2: Yes. And just to bring it back around, can you go back onto your name and how you got that?
3: Yes, yeah, so my moniker, Contain Her. I, I feel like it's the shortest poem you can make from two words but it gives you like a million different ideas about what it does mean. And I, I like that, that sense to it because like Chinese is like that too, like a word can mean like three different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so container for me, it's kind of like, it it reflects on many different things. One thing being, it's a reminder like that you're a fleeting life, right? For this moment in time, all the stardust came together to be you. And so appreciate what you have in your form like right now and and live it and share that so you know it's contained (laughs) for a moment it's not lasting but this is what it is and on top of that it's also kind of it's kind of like a reminder that i can't be contained because like there's so many aspects in my life so many people to this day they give you this look like you're nothing you know or you don't even exist what was your name same name as this other girl whatever you don't exist and you know, like that happens to everyone. You get snubbed or you get like feeling like you're othered. But it's a reminder to me that I can't be contained. I can do anything, you know. So just, you know, and I think everyone can. So it's good to remind yourself. Yeah, you can't. do don't, don't think about what other people think you can't do. Just think about what you can do. Yeah.
2: All right. So that wraps up this interview with April. Thank you so much, April. Congratulations again. Uh, We look forward to hearing you during the Collaboration SF Showcase. Awesome. Hope y'all can make it. Yep, that's it.
0: Our second interview is of Alex Shao, and he was interviewed by Sarah Dang, our Community Relations Associate, and Samya Manga, our Marketing Associate. Alex Shao goes by the name of Chase Blue, Blue without the E, and he's a rapper, and he's been writing and performing for 10 years now. He's also a product designer. He's very passionate about UX and UI design. Alex also created an app called EZTRO, where it helps v- survivors of domestic violence obtain temporary restraining orders.
1: Let's go more into that now.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Baby. Let go, let go. Ha. <laughs> Come on. Uh. It's the red carpet layout, the biggest fight, payout, life a heavy hitter, never sure how it'll play out, frozen, speechless, and sure what to say now, quick on my toes, told never ever stay down, rose to my feet, I grow from the feet, I'm chained from my pain, but I'm set for my release, now listen, baby, they're calling this my comeback, listen, baby, I can find my way back. Hi, I'm Samia, hi,
5: I'm Sarah. Um, So can we please have our special guest please introduce yourself and just tell us a little about where you're from and what style of music that you kind of have.
4: Yeah, hey everybody, my name is Alex. Uh, I go by Chase Blue, short for Chase Blue Skies. Um, And I'm originally from San Jose, uh, been in the Bay Area for a long time, uh, and my style of music is hip-hop and rap. I actually just made a career switch last year,
1: Mm -hmm.
4: um, and so I wasn't in design before that, and so. Actually, that career switch was specifically because I wanted to find something really creative in my day-to-day, too, because um, I felt like that's something I wanted to channel.
5: Who inspired you to create music, or like what motivated you to um, go from poetry into music? Uh,
4: so one of my more embarrassing stories about that is, yeah, so I was staying up in fourth or fifth grade writing really, really corny poetry uh sixth grade uh the girl i had a crush on i uh decided to show out of everybody uh her my really really corny poetry and her first response was oh that's really good uh you know sometimes people who write poetry rap and then i was like i don't know what rap is but i need to do it now and that's when i like stayed up all night and i was listening to rap for the first time and i started um you know Talking my poetry along with the song and stuff like that and that's when I started getting into it And that's when I actually started kind of delving into rap. So that more or less was kind of my inspiration for it
6: Who are the first artists that you listened to that like turned you on to rap?
4: Oh, man, the very first artist. Um, I think at the time When that happened and I was like I need to figure out what rap is I think I just looked at whoever was popular at the time, which I think was when Linkin Park um, Was getting pretty mainstream And so Mike Shinoda was probably like my first exposure to that. Um, And then I think I just kind of went from there and I just kind of started digging and digging more. And so then I got turned on to Jay-Z and like DMX and those others. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of what started it, I think.
6: For your audition piece, Peace of Mind, how did you write that song? Like one came first, the lyrics, or the music?
4: That one, um, I remember I was digging through a few producers. I found that song and it just popped to me. Mm -hmm. And um, that was one of those where once I heard it, I just had it on repeat um, for days and days. Um, And so I think that was one where I like just jotted down like a couple pages to it. And so it was more like skimming things down and figuring out um, you know um what i actually wanted to include in it so
6: um who do you like dedicate your music to or like what does dedication mean to you and how do you do it every day to your music
4: so i would say first for me personally my faith plays um, a lot into it and um, so for me um, i would say like first and foremost i'm always my, making my music for god and inspired by god also I think one thing that is really hard to balance as an artist is, I think for a while I was a little bit jaded um, by music in general because um, I think one thing you do as you start to perform and kind of make music for an audience is you start really like making it for what you think people want to hear and I think like some people like equate that with selling out which I think is like a really broad term and not necessarily what I would use because I think it's really hard not naturally not to just naturally when you're writing music to think what would people want to hear and just write that down. Um, at the end of the day, um, when you keep on going down that path, the music doesn't feel like it's yours. And that's something that I definitely struggled with and had to figure out um, over a while. And so um, I think for me, what I realized is that um, I have to make music for me. Um, it has to be real and it has to be true. Um, and i think like a byproduct of that is that the people who are like me or the people who can relate to me um, they're the ones that will be affected um, by it and influenced by it too Um, but i think music has to be real um, and it has to be um, about your own journey i think there's also a lot of notes that i write about with like hope and stuff like that um, that i think really speaks to what i believe in and also speaks to what i want to preach to myself
5: as an Asian-American male, kind of going on to the, that hip-hop scene and rap scene here in the Bay mm-hmm. Area, how would you kind of, what motivates you to represent this minority group, but also be a part of it? And how does it feel for you to keep producing these styles of music?
4: So, um, one thing is, I think what I definitely struggled with um, growing up and as I was getting into music, is just, I kept asking myself, what does success look like? here, uh, which I think is like something that all Asian Americans ask themselves a lot. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard because I didn't have a clear idea of what that could be. And I think it's also because there isn't a clear representation of that necessarily. Right. Mm -hmm. There wasn't necessarily someone that I could point to, um, you know, on a huge major level that I could say, um, you know, this is what success looks like to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's part of it is. You know, I don't know exactly where music will lead me, and I'm very focused on like if it's not fun, then then it's not doing music right, and so I want to make sure that I'm always enjoying my music. But in terms of like what success looks like, I think one is as Asian Americans like start to kind of climb that ladder. um, It opens up avenues both logistically. Um, from like a business perspective, but I think it also opens up avenues from an inspiration perspective, mm-hmm. because the people that are affected as Asian Americans start climbing that ladder are the people like me in high school where I was like, what a success look like? And you start to have people that you can point at.
6: Um, so kind of going back to like product design, how did you find like the perfect balance between product designing and like your passion for music?
4: Yeah. So again, I think that I was really looking for creativity. And I didn't really know how to find that in the workplace for a long time. Um, And um, it wasn't until design kind of was exposed to me that it kind of stuck around in my mind. And then I saw an opportunity to, you know, quit my job and do a three month boot camp full time um, to try to get into design. And it was all kind of on a it was all just a leap of faith, right? Uh, Because I didn't know exactly what was on the other side or I was just hoping that I would enjoy it, Um, but I really did. And um, it's definitely a different type of creativity. It's creative thinking um, based around some type of prompt or an idea, right? Um, And um, so it's definitely different from, from music for me, but it's still exercising, I think, that same type of muscle. And I think that is um, really what I was looking for. And I'm so, so glad that I did that. Um, and so, yeah, that was a huge thing for me was finding creativity, I think.
5: That's awesome that you can find creativity in both music, but also in your product designing like, career. Um, can you talk a little bit more about Tro and how, what kind of inspired that and what was your creative process?
4: Tro was really cool. Definitely always had a heart for just designing or creating something that can help people. The app essentially helps, um, you know, victims of, or I should say survivors of domestic abuse. It helps them um, file for restraining orders and whatnot because that process is really complicated, really convoluted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of that process was um, interviewing people um, who were survivors and who had to go through this process before. Um, You know, as a male, um, I wasn't in the room with them, but even just like being outside of the room and talking to my friends who had to interview them and feeling the emotional energy that comes out of that, um, it really continues to humble you. And I think, um, reset your perspective really on what's going on that you don't see every day. Um, And so again, it just kind of fed this desire to um, use my career and use my music in ways that can help people and help the unseen and whatnot, so.
6: Would you say that was like your most memorable project that you've worked on?
4: Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say that's the most memorable project, both in the people that we talked to and I think just in the difference that our actual product um, did for people. Um, So that was definitely a really like fulfilling experience.
6: Is that part of your motivation to continue product design? And also like, what's your motivation to continue music and to continue rapping?
4: yeah i think ultimately i don't know exactly where it's leading but um i do know that the passion that i have for helping people um expands both to design and music i think as far as music again it it was a very tricky road to get there because i i think um sometimes if like i said if you if you're writing for someone else i feel like your music becomes a little bit less real but again i feel like there's a lot of people um, who struggle with a lot of the same things that I do and who need, like, the same message of hope that I do. Um, and so I think that's where um, being real helps people, too. Um, and so, yeah, I would say definitely um, that's one of my inspirations to to keep on going, both with music and design.
6: Just to, like, wrap up, what makes you excited slash nervous about Showcase?
4: I, I think, actually, one thing that makes me a little bit nervous is... Um, Just having, you know, a limited time for people to have an impression of you. Um, I feel like, I mean, that's regardless of whether it's this showcase or anywhere else, when you only have like, um, you know, a limited time set or whatnot, it's a little nerve wracking. Um, But at the same time, I think that's also something that's kind of exciting is um, I'm going to present you with this snapshot of who I am. And I'm going to try to be the realist that I am within these five minutes or whatever that I have. Um, And hopefully I can affect you and um, inspire you within those five minutes. So it's something that's challenging, but it's exciting too.
1: And that's gonna do it for our second episode of Golden Great. So questions, comments, and episode ideas are our way to goldengreat at collaboration.org with a K. Golden Great's producers are Ray Wong and Michelle Abreuera and our executive producer Josh Ko.
0: Sound mixing was by Michelle Abreuera with editing by Ray Wong.
1: Our fabulous theme song was composed by Robert Guh. The podcast team also includes Christina Alacone and Jenny Lee.
0: With special thanks also going out to Desiree Shu, Sarah Dang, Dang. <laughs> Samya Manga and Kevin Marr. We hope to see you on Saturday night, June 29th, for our collaboration showcase, Back to Basics. More details will be coming out soon on our social media and website.
1: In episode three, we'll continue the theme of a showcase. We'll interview the other three contestants that will be performing that night. We'll see you soon. Stay Stay golden. golden.